This is a podcast by The Straits Times. 18 ATP Tour titles, three Grand Slam finals, career earnings of over 28 million US dollars, and of course, one priceless US Open win. These are some of the milestones in the career of the guest on this week's episode of #GameOfTwoHalves. World number 43 tennis player Marin Cilic. My name is Hazali Abdulaziz, and I am a correspondent on the Straits Times Sports Desk. And I'm joined by ST Assistant Sports Editor Rohit Brishnath as we chat with 32-year-old Croatian player Cilic, who is in town for the Singapore Tennis Open that takes place at the OCBC Arena from February 22nd to 28th. Hi, Marin. Thank you so much for for taking extra time to to speak to us uh, this morning. Uh, hope you're feeling fine. Um, I just wanted to ask you about uh, a story I read um, about you. Um, you know, you were on a holiday. Uh, I believe it was November 2017, uh, and you you met uh, Roger Federer actually at the resort and started playing tennis. You know, <laughs> how how can you just relate the experience again? Yeah, I was with my wife in in Maldives, and uh, you know, and end of the season, and we went there uh, for the second time actually. Uh, in that resort, uh, and uh, we heard, you know, from from there that uh, Roger sometimes comes there. But uh, you know, it's quite a small resort; it's quite private as well. And we were there already for a few days, and uh, we didn't know uh, that that Roger was there. And uh, he texted me uh, and saying, "Hey, hey, Marin, I'm, I'm here in the same resort as you. Let me know if you are, uh, you know, up to hitting uh, one or t- one or few days. Would be would be great fun." And uh, yeah, we we uh, organized a, a hit. Uh, we you know had a nice nice uh, session, just easy, relaxed. Because uh, you know for for us uh, in those holiday times, it's just to move a little bit, just to feel the ball, uh, just uh, that our joints are working. It wasn't like a real full session. We were just uh, having fun, enjoying. But uh, most of all, my wife was uh, joking because uh, she's playing uh, tennis on her own with her friends. And uh, she told me that before we came to Maldives, uh, she was on a losing streak, uh, several several matches that she lost with her friends. So she decided, she said, uh, this is my preparation uh, in Maldives. You have to coach me and uh, our holiday is dedicated to my improvement. And so uh, she was a little bit upset that I was uh, playing with Roger. She said, you can first, first session is with me and then you want to do what you want to do afterwards. Roger, Roger can wait. So it was, it was a lot of fun. And we had a uh, few times we spent uh, lunch together and uh, had had good time and you know uh, you and one month later we are playing uh, Australian Open final so it was it was just an amazing story i'm going to just try to pick your mind about greatness because you have been a great player you've lived in the top 10 top 5 you've been number 3 won a slam two slam finals davis cup everything So what I want to do is at, at at the top level where you're playing what's the hardest thing up there at that top level what's the hardest thing to keep doing what what I felt the hardest thing I had a few seasons that I was really playing great tennis 2017 2018 uh and and the hardest thing is actually to be able to push yourself you know day after day uh to to be on 100% to just be extremely motivated to be really hungry um and and to deliver every single day and and in those two seasons 
I did that. I did. Uh, I was like so dedicated, and and uh, you know my tennis went really up. I was practicing extremely hard. Uh, had you know lots of success. It was two one of the two most consistent seasons for my. Uh, in my career ever, and what I found difficulty is uh, is also uh, switching off your mind when when you are having like let's say six to eight weeks period of of really hard work, a lot of uh, tournaments, a lot of matches, uh, and then it's really important to refresh your mind that you are ready to go, um, and and that's something what these guys at the top I'm talking about, Roger, Rafa. Novak and the also uh, during most of his career, uh, they did that extremely well. They were managing uh, their time extremely well. You, you can see now, for example, Novak, he played the ATP Cup. He won the Australian Open and now he's going to take two, three weeks off, uh, possibly four, uh, not play anything, just switch off, uh, spend his time, whatever he likes. And, and then when he comes back, that he's ready to go. And, and for me, as most of my career, I was, uh, you know, you know, playing playing tournaments, take a few days off, train again, uh, and uh, I think that part just hurt me a bit in in understanding and and just uh, not having that experience for for longer period like they did. And uh, you know, if I would be now in similar situation, I would know how to react. I guess a little bit better. When you're playing well, and you know there are times that you have just played brilliant tennis. When you're playing well, what does it feel like? What happens to a player? What 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 is going on in your body and in your hitting and in your strokes? What's going on? Um, you you have a clear understanding what you are doing. Uh, you know you don't have any concerns or doubts in your mind. Uh, you know more or less every single ball ball where it needs to go. Your decision making is much sharper. Uh, you, and also uh, in your own self, you are, you know what to do, how to, you know, if you make certain mistakes, how to, how to repair them. Uh, and, and you are also mentally uh, extremely sharp. I was, when I was playing uh, my best, best matches, uh, best, uh, uh, you know, parts of the year, I was extremely motivated, really hungry. As, as soon as I would go on the court, I was like sharp with my focus uh, and that's something that you see from uh, from Novak, from Rafa, uh, from Roger. When they go, when they step on the court, you know they are ready ready to go. It's not uh, you won't see from them like few games playing great, then few games uh, dropping their level. You know their level is like extremely consistent, and you have to match them up to to beat them. So uh, so for me. That was great. Uh, other parts as well, uh, you know, just taking those small chances because uh, you have to be ready when they present themselves. Uh, 1530s, break points, uh, you know, those small points mean mean a lot uh, when you are really focused and putting pressure on the on the opponent. Now, if you like what you're hearing so far, subscribe to hashtag Game of Two Halves on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or Google Podcasts. Like us and give us a rating. So you are one, I think, would be a pretty select group of players who have actually beaten Roger, Rafa and Novak. You've beaten them all. I actually went and checked again yesterday. Can you tell me just, you know, maybe uh, a little bit about what it's like to play each player, why they're different, these three, in what way are they different? I would say, uh, for example, Rafa and, and Novak are pretty similar in their, in their intensity. 
regarding they play every single point uh, like it's a match point, both of them. Um, not saying that Roger isn't, but uh, Roger is is uh, uh, more focused on on change of pace, change of speed. Uh, he's uh, having uh, relying a lot of his game on a on a fast game, great serve, great forehand. Uh, you know, just mixing up the game and, and playing aggressive tennis and also playing fast, fast tennis that rarely uh, I would I would change the, the attribute fast to athletic, very athletic tennis uh, in terms of uh, stepping inside the court, coming to the net, uh, be, being really, really, really quick uh, with his movements and, and his uh, his sharpness is incredible. Uh, and and uh, Novak and Rafa are the best guys in tennis that uh, create pressure. Uh, for example, if you watched yesterday, also the match with uh, uh, Medvedev, Novak was from the first point was putting pressure on on Daniil, and it's a constant pressure. You are always feeling like he's pushing you, he's pushing you, he's pushing you, and and uh, and also depends on you how long you can resist. Uh, you know, if when you're playing Grand Slam matches against them, you need to be uh, there four hours, five hours uh, to to be able to match them up. So, in in my own opinion, those are the things that that are they are doing extremely, extremely well. And plus, you on top of that, obviously their abilities. So, is it nice for you the fact that you know I I, I was just checking before we were talking about you know looking at this since 2006. I think there are only four players who have won a slam in this period, apart from those four players, apart from Andy, Rafa, and whatnot. There's only Del Potro, uh, Warinka, um, you, and, and Dominic Thiem. So is that for you like quite a big deal that you won a slam in this period, which is, I mean, you did beat, you know, Roger at the US Open when you won that, uh, when the slam that year. Is that a big deal for you to win in this era? Absolutely. You know, winning tournaments doesn't come uh, every day. Um, I mean, you can see a lot of guys that had great careers and didn't win many tournaments. Um, you know, you take uh, Thomas Burdich, for example, he had incredible careers so many years, uh, you know, in top 10, number five, number six, uh, you know, finals of Wimbledon. And, uh, you know, he had, I don't know, 13, 14, 15, you know, uh, tournament wins. You take Wawrinka, for example, uh, he won three Grand Slams, but uh, his total tournament wins is maybe 15, uh, something, something around there. I know it's, it's not too, too big a number. So uh, when winning a tournament, it takes, uh, it, it's definitely not easy and uh, something that I value so much uh, and, and that gives you extreme confidence and for me obviously I'm super proud of myself uh, of everything I've done during uh, my career uh, and especially in this this time this era with them I believe that uh, I would put also Andy, Andy in them in, in, uh, in that group uh, all four of them have been pushing themselves really to to you know, different level. And with that, they were also pushing other guys to work on their game and to be able to match them. So in, in general, I think tennis uh, won. Tennis uh, was was the winner at the end. And, uh, you know, we are still experiencing Novak, Rafa winning, winning slams and uh, making it so, so difficult for the youngsters to push through. I want to ask just one last question on this subject. You know, 
for the media and fans they keep going on about these 20 slams you know the record who has got the most slams but for tennis players like you is it about who has the most slams or in your mind for example would uh, it doesn't matter who has the most slams in your mind federer might still be the greatest player or somebody might still be the greatest player even if they don't have the most slams i mean do you go only by number of slams or there are other judgments in your mind uh when you're looking at the success then uh definitely you have to take in account uh, the grand slams um and uh, you know being there at the top uh for years and years um you can say definitely roger roger came bloomed much earlier um earlier in the years and then uh rafa novak and the uh came on onto the scene around 2006 7 uh, onwards so in last 10 years it's evident that novak was the best player uh above above all and still he has a lot of years in front of him and so uh in in those terms you know the rivalry between them is is something that uh, it's going to be remembered for for eternity uh their the matches uh, they had and the the those things and and definitely for them Uh, i believe the big the biggest success go- comes from the grand slams and i don't know i don't know how to how to say if uh, uh, you know if uh, let's say at at the end of their careers doesn't matter novak rafa or, or uh, is is having or roger having the most grand, grand slams i think it's going to matter in the in the you know history of books who is who was the who had the most uh, of grand slams but uh, you know they're all individuals and we all value our success differently you know for me having a one slam and having this great career i had it's still incredibly good uh, okay maybe there is you know there are guys so many guys uh, that did did better but for me still uh, it's it's incredible success and it's not easy to compare generations because uh, it's been different tennis different rivalries you know it's a lot of things different And that's the end of our session with uh, world number 43 uh, Marin Cilic. Thank you so much Marin for for your time again. My pleasure. Thank you guys. It was a uh, pleasure to talk to you. Nice questions. Thank you. Thank you. And there goes the final whistle for our sports discussion of the week. Don't forget you can listen to our hashtag Game of Two Halves podcast on demand on audio apps, Apple Podcasts, Spotify or Google Podcasts. That was an SPH podcast by The Straits Times. Find us on Spotify, Apple or Google Podcasts or streaming on Google Home. Do feedback to us at podcast.sph.com.sg. You can also check out more podcasts on various topics at The Straits Times, The Business Times and Money FM 89.3.